The following is a Red Apple Podcast Network presentation. They say this is a big, rich town. I just come from the poet's part. Bright light, city life, I gotta make it. Welcome to Dominic Carter's podcast. This is Dominic Carter's City Hall. Now, here's Dominic Carter. Red Apple Podcast Talk Radio 77 WABC. You can listen to me, Dominic Carter, Sunday evenings, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., weeknights at midnight. From the presidential campaign to Israel, to Harvard President Claudine Gay, and even the migrant mess. This is my podcast. Let's go. Political consultant Hank Scheinkoff is the real deal. Case in point. What happened to Israel October 7th is as real as real gets. You know, I'm trying to imagine what would happen in the United States of America if suddenly tomorrow morning, who knows how many people decided to cross the Rio Grande, go in, kill 300,000 people, rape the women, cut off their breasts, violate them anally and vaginally, right? Take their children in front of them while they're doing that, while eight or ten guys are raping them take their children while they're doing this and put them in ovens and make them watch them and then shoot them in the head. I'm trying to imagine if that happened in Texas tomorrow morning, what the Texans would do. That's essentially the situation. Iran is very clear about what it wants to do. Stupid American children in the streets trying to think it's somewhat different. They're going to be eating grass. If the Jews lose this war and the attacks on Jews nationally, you know, people should wake up. Political consultant Hank Scheinkoff calls it straight, and he joins us right now. So let me begin this way, Hank, on the uh, presidential campaign. You can't play these silly partisan games with the person leading in the polls for President Donald Trump. Is he on the ballot? Is he off the ballot? Colorado started this nonsense. Maine followed suit. California, oddly enough, is the voice of reason, keeping Trump on the ballot. What do you make of all of this? Kind of wacky. You know, all they're going to do is excite the MAGA vote, the Make America Great Again vote, the Trump vote, and they're going to turn out in greater intensity. It's not that they're going to dissuade people. But somehow there's something going on here unless there is a clear clear delineation of, uh, of fact, which is did he or did he not? Uh, now, the 14th Amendment, uh, which is what they're referring to, doesn't say, doesn't make a stipulation about whether he did or he didn't. Uh, it's the suspicion thereof, and that's what they're using to say he was uh, engaged in treasonous behavior. So there you have it. Um, going to give him more room to move, going to make him more petty with his own uh, MAGA people, and uh, it ain't going to be good you know, for democracy. So what does the Supreme Court do here? The way I see this, there's absolutely no way they leave Trump off the ballot in some states. They're going to put him on the ballot because, again, the presumption of innocence, regardless of what the 14th Amendment may say, will Trump, no pun intended, will will, frankly uh, ride over everything else, and that's how they're going to do it. I I don't think there's any way around it. Agreed, agreed. Will, Will there be... Because I don't think so, but you're the expert here. 
Will there be any criminal trials for Trump this year of 2024? Again, Hank Chankoff, political consultant. I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you say? Um, look, I'm not a lawyer. Um, question is, how quickly can the courts move? Is always the question. How quickly can people get past motions? Um, and does Trump want that? If I were Trump, I would frankly want this to drag on as long as possible. Um, I would want it to drag on as long as possible. Why? It makes him look like a victim, and that assists him among his, uh, his, his, his uh, basic electorate. They like it. They see him as a victim. Therefore, they become victims of, a, of the, the elites in Washington, New York, and Los Angeles, which allows them to have even more greater strength as they turn out to vote and gets them all wired up to vote. You know, that's what this is about. It's about anger and hatred. It's not about the democracy. Let's, let's uh, flip this now. So how much of a liability, a liability is the president's son to him, Hunter Biden, to President Joe Biden? To some voters, it will be significant. To other voters, it won't be. Is it an across-the-board liability? Not likely. Um, why? Son is not father. Father is not son. And Americans tend to be very fair about such things. That being said, for the MAGA voters, it's going to be a big, big incentive to turn out because they believe there's a conspiracy going on anyway. And this would, in fact, indicate to them the conspiracy is, is truthful. It is ongoing because somehow in their minds, um, what happened? Well, the son got away with it for a long time and nobody bothered to stop him. So that's what they'll be thinking. Nikki Haley. The South Carolina Republican made headlines after giving what has turned out to be a disaster, disastrous answer. I don't necessarily think so, but that's the way it's being reported to a question about what caused the Civil War. She had a lot of words, Hank Chankoff, in response to the question, but Haley never got around to mentioning slavery. She later backtracked and accused the person who asked the question of being a democratic plant. Does this hurt her? Is this much ado about nothing? It hurts her. It's a lot ado about something. It makes her look stupid. Um, it gives them, it gives her, her uh, opponents opportunities to do terrible things to her. And that's what they're doing. That's, uh, it's not going to be good. And it won't help. It won't, will not help her um, in uh, New Hampshire, I would bet. The other thing, just an, a side note on the Haley campaign. They're spending lots of money on television in Iowa, but that's not necessarily the way to win an Iowa election. Why is that? Because, frankly, Dominic, Iowa caucuses are about personal relationships, not about television. Her money would have been better spent, uh, you know, get, being there by herself or with others, running a, a campaign on the ground, but that's not what she's doing. So the probability of her doing better than she thinks in uh, Iowa, not so good. Not we so good. are chatting with political consultant Hank Cheinkoff about all things political. And as you heard the man say, his New Year's resolution was not to talk politics on this day, but he's breaking it for us and we are greatly uh, appreciative. So even President Biden chimed in on this Nikki Haley thing. And to me, his response was a bad pander to his base of the black community. On the uh, Twitter site, the X site, sharing a, a clip of Haley's exchange. He said it was about slavery. Is this pandering to his base? He should have just let her roil in her own juices. It didn't accomplish anything for him to get involved. 
Absolutely nothing. Um, it just didn't. And it, the best thing would have been say nothing, have a good time. But that's not what he did, you know? Also, that's on Nikki Haley, before I move on, she, as you know, has been accused of uh, flip-flopping when it comes to Trump. And she now says pardoning Trump is in the country's best interest. What do you make of that? Well, that's to get the MAGA voters to side with her. So if they don't, that it does two things. It forces the admission that he is a criminal and forces uh, people to pay attention to the fact that she's magnanimous and would, in fact, pardon him. But the problem here is that it makes her immediately on the other side of the Trump mix by saying, what, that obviously he's a criminal, therefore he must be pardoned. That's a non-starter. The best thing would have been to walk away from it and not get involved. So with the Iowa caucuses, Hank Scheinkoff, political consultant, a month away, former President Trump is urging voters to hand him not just a victory but a blowout. Here is a uh, quote from Trump, quote, the majority, the margin of victory is very important. It's just very, it's not, excuse me, let me do it again. The margin of victory is very important. It's just very important. He told about a thousand people attending a, uh, a rally at organizing campaign volunteers. He said it's time for the Republican Party to unite, to come together and focus our energy and resources on beating his words now, crooked Joe Biden and taking back our country. Very simple. What do you think? How does how does Iowa play? Iowa is not about Joe Biden. Iowa is about the fundamentalist Christians, um, the faith community, a smaller turnout and true believers in republicanism. That does not necessarily have much to do with Joe Biden. Um, and using the strategy of crooked Hillary and now crooked Biden, I mean, I think it may be a little bit much. It's his way to get beyond any problems he might have with the with the observant, the the the, the uh, religious right community. And uh, it's not necessary. He should win. If he's going to win, he's going to win them handily. If he's not going to win them handily, he has a different set of problems. It's his way of getting around. Uh, um, it's another way kind of code words to get around the governor of Florida who's flailing. And he doesn't win Iowa. He's done. done so if Ron, if Ron DeSantis uh, does not win Iowa and polling indicates he's not even close, you believe that you can put a fork in him? Well, he's run a bad campaign. The only winners in that one are the political consultants who've had a great day, you know, making money, which is generally what happens in the uh, political industrial complex these days. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been a good campaign just hasn't and uh it, it, the reportage on it is terrible um he's done after that he needs somebody to buck up that campaign he needs to show that he's just not someone who's incessantly flailing right and trying to find hooks of some fashion it's just not it's not working out you know fair enough talk to me about new hampshire the new hampshire primary less than a month away recent polls show Nikki Haley and the man you just mentioned, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, neck and neck for second place with Trump far ahead of the field. Talk New Hampshire. New Hampshire should be a Trump win. Um, it's just hard to see that it isn't right now based upon those polling numbers. What would allow somebody to get past him? Um, a crippling defeat in Iowa or a, a crippling win, which would mean a crippling win by somebody else in the Republican field. That is very hard to see at the moment. 
It is Trump's party without question, unless there's something we don't know. And the Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire are coming up pretty quick. So there's nothing right now that tells us that that's not going to work out for Trump. So talk to me, political consultant Hank Cheinkoff, about Vivek Ramaswamy. He has uh, slammed TV ads, pulled them in Iowa and New Hampshire. He says that the ads are for chumps. Sounds like he's almost done to me. He also uh, says that um, the ads had a low ROI return on investment. investment. Okay, but what he doesn't understand is perception. Television in politics is perception. What does that mean? You have enough TV up, it looks like you're a candidate. So all the blabbers, you know, the people, the pundits and the, the blabbing class, when they see your ads up, they blab about them. But if he's not on television, he doesn't exist because nobody knows who he was in the first place. His presumption is that everybody now knows who he is because he was on in those debates. If I were him and I wanted to base my campaign and my victory, excuse me, my victory strategy and what I did during the debates, I would hide under a rock someplace because he didn't do very well. But he came across as very annoying, somewhat sexist in some cases, um, and just, um, just out of step. Oh, if I'm him, he doesn't want to put the money on television. That's his way of saying, well, I know better about money than you do, and therefore I'm not going to put my money into something that may not have a return. What that really says is the polling numbers are saying to him, go take a pass on this one, come back another day, fella. That's what that is. Right. That almost, that almost the race is over for him. Yeah, he, would, he should save his money also. You know, one of my favorite expressions, save his money and buy a house. That would be very good. <laughs> well, he, he has a lot of that, a lot of money. Buy a lot of houses. You don't spend money in politics. You don't, uh, you don't go very far. Bottom line. Yep. Okay. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Uh, his latest attempt to get on the main Republican presidential uh, primary ballot has failed after his campaign tried to recover from a surprising uh, setback in the Super Tuesday state. Bottom line right. is, his signatures, according to the Secretary of State's office, falls short of the necessary number of certified signatures. What does this say to you about Christie in general? Um, you got to look at his career, I think, overall and say uh, that he was a really, really, really extraordinarily effective U.S. attorney, that his first term as governor of New Jersey was 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 provocative and and filled with accomplishment, and then instead of doing what Tom Kane did, because um, Republicans don't get elected governor of Jersey that often, Tom Kane, when he was governor, uh, in an upset, another Republican took his money during his uh, re-election campaign and put it into legislature as well to help his fellow Republicans win seats, and they did. They took the legislature back. That's not what Chris Christie did. What Chris Christie did was to spend his money on himself never created the kind of relationships that are required to make things happen. And the end result is, well, you know, he was, he could have changed his course. Then he would have created goodwill. He did not. And he's doing kind of the same thing. Now he's getting back what uh, he did in the first case. Not so good. Not so good. And this is not going to work out well, but he served his purpose, which was to try to um, try to pummel Trump in ways that would work. And he proved that it didn't work. So that was his purpose. Wow, what a purpose. How does the fall campaign look between Biden and Trump? You got to give the edge to Trump right now because Biden's numbers are terrible. 
that's today. And we're talking about January 1 of 2024 with a long way to go. It also presumes that Trump will be the nominee and it presumes that Biden will be the nominee. Biden will be the nominee unless unless God intervenes. Why? Because nobody gives up that job. Giving up being president of the United States is the most ridiculous thing you can imagine anybody would do. It's only happened once in the last 60 years. Um, and that was Lyndon Johnson in 1968 when he said, and first he said he would not accept uh, the uh, nomination of his party. Right? He saw himself as a Democrat president. We, we changed a lot of our views since then. But he's the only one who's given it up. You don't give up being the most important and powerful person in the world. It's just not something you do. Joe Biden ain't giving this up. Um, we're just not. He'll be the nominee. They, they, generally, it's hard to remove an incumbent. Ask to talk to President Ted Kennedy. He couldn't do it. Talk to John Anderson. He couldn't do it. Talk to Gene McCarthy. Well, the, Johnson was already out at that point. But McCarthy had already been running in 68. He couldn't take him out. Ronald Reagan couldn't take out uh, Gerald Ford and stop the, in 1976. And on and on and on. It just doesn't happen. So Biden will be the nominee. Then the question is, can he beat Trump? Um, it depends on, the, on Trump's criminal cases and depends what the state of play is. I mean, the criminal cases intervene. He gets convicted. It's going to be tougher for him to win more of those elections because there will be a certain percentage of the population that will believe it. The other problems that Biden faces are a, the brittleness and the, of the Republican coalition. Understand both parties are in serious trouble as, as uh, political entities. I mean, the coalitions are very brittle. The Republicans depend upon the Trump uh, MAGA uh, operation to turn out votes. And for people who identify as Republicans, the Democrats have problems because of the uh, younger people, by the way, parenthetically, who have never paid a, paid a price, they'll burn a burden, and seems to be experts on everything, except they know nothing out in the streets, uh, uh, undermining Biden's foreign policy, not understanding that if Israel loses that war, the Iranians will win it, and uh, they, will, they will lose control of the Mediterranean basin, which Harry Truman understood. That's where the Truman Doctrine came from in 1948. And in five years' time, people in this country will be eating grass. Those are the facts of life, but that's the kids. That, that, that war in the Middle East is, uh, is getting the young people, if you look at data, look at, at publicly published polls, to take a second look at Biden and the intensity of African-American turnout right now based upon data. And all data is in the present tense, uh, is very, rather weak. So those two elements alone might make it difficult for Biden to be reelected. You, young people not having the intensity and African-Americans not having the intensity of interest. So let's 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 leave the presidential race alone for a second. Let's talk Harvard University. Their president, the first African-American woman, Claudine Gay. It is my contention, Hank Sheinkoff, for plagiarism, for how she handled uh, the protest, the anti-Israel protest at Harvard, and then had the issue blow up in her face with two other college presidents before Congress, that she should be gone in a New York minute, that she should be fired. How do you see that situation at Harvard? Um, she really should be gone. And the reason she should be gone is her presence is taking away from Harvard. Um, it's giving Harvard the kind of attention that the university probably wouldn't want right now, particularly considering that uh, the amount of uh, what's what's the good word? Harassment and some and sometimes violence that Jewish students, whether they uh, Jewish students are receiving on campus, no matter their position on Israel. So it's pretty significant. Also, the plagiarism question. And it would be better for her if she left and were replaced, frankly, by another African woman. That's fine. It doesn't become a race issue. The, the attempt to, to deny her uh, 
act appropriately with respect to campus violence against Jewish students and campus harassment and the questions about her scholarly work. Uh, I can tell you as someone has a Ph.D. that if you were caught plagiarizing, it's kind of the end of your career. You know, you just don't do such things. Right. Um, that being said, it's time for her to go. And that would be the wise thing for her to do if she cared about the university. Leave. She'll get another job and let the, let the Board of Governors of Harvard come up with a uh, with a uh, with an with an alternative. But but if she leaves, there's not another job like Harvard. And frankly, it seems to me, Hank Scheinkoff, that the only thing that's protecting her right now, keeping her in the job, is that she is an African-American. Well, that, I don't I'm not competent to make that to make that judgment. But what I do believe is that people, you know, you know people are afraid of, of, of charges of race, um, race baiting or racism in any way. And that may be what's happening here. However, the reality of this is somewhat different. She's got to go because she's got to go. And that's just on the merits based on what we know. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the hearing in Congress was not handled well. The idea that somehow one law firm could represent all three college presidents, the crisis management style was, was ridiculous as a crisis, as a well-known crisis manager. I can tell you not having pull-out quotes for reporters to use that deal with the, with, that deal personally with what, what is going on around you is a major mistake. I mean, it just didn't look good. It, if, if she were wise, it would be time to leave. Just go away. And, the end, and that will be the end of the crisis for the moment. Now, Hank Scheinkoff, you deal with these issues professionally. If you were hired to represent one of those college presidents, uh, MIT, UPenn, that president has, has, uh, is out. Going before Congress, knowing that you're going that the presidents are going to face got you questions. How would you have advised your client if you were representing one of those presidents? I would have been I would have advised them to be much more declarative that that kind of behavior will not be tolerated if anybody thinks it has. Well, we're sorry, but it's not going to be tolerated in the future. We're putting together new guidelines. And I would never say it depends on the context. I mean, you that alone is such that, damning. It, those three words depends upon the context. Four words is absolutely absurd and ridiculous. OK, because the beating up of people on campuses and abusing them and 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 cornering people based upon their religion. Forgetting about their stance on the Middle East war, but based upon their religion and for and and, and the barrack to barricade themselves in libraries and other and lunch areas and other places is patently it's, it's, it is devastating to anybody who believes in the in the ability to have free and open educational settings. Simple. What you just said, they definitely should have hired your firm. What you just said off the top of your head in a matter of seconds could have saved the job of the president of UPenn. Wouldn't it, the president of uh, of uh, Harvard, she wouldn't be on the ropes as much. The president of MIT wouldn't be on the ropes as much if they had just listened to Hank Scheinkoff. Well, we, you know, the, the thing no, I'm serious. Get front, always get in front of the story. You know, you covered it when I were when I worked for the governor of New Jersey at the time, at the time this a long time ago. It's McGreevy yes. when he got into trouble. You covered it. The yes. first rule of any crisis, and I've done hundreds of them, is to get in front of the story, not let the reporters define it for you. And, and that means you exactly information what? to people. You've got to give information and quotes to people that present your side of the story so that it fits in the story, not so you try to tell reporters what to do. The minute you try to tell reporters what to do and anything, you lose the argument. As simple as that. It. Yeah, it is. You've got to respect the press. 
They're not your enemy. They got to do their job. You have to do your job, your job and their job. The different sides of the notebook are not the same. We saw what happened out at LAX at JFK, the airports blocking traffic and so on. It's simply heartbreaking. I, I want you to respond, but I also want you to tell me why are people not showing more support for Israel? Israel didn't start this. Israel was attacked April, April, October 7th. And everybody wants to go, the critics, they want to go, yeah, October 7th. But what about 1948? What about this? What about that? And on and on and on. Why is there not more sympathy? Because Jews are not allowed, Jews are not allowed to win wars. Wow. It's just that simple. You know, I'm trying to imagine what would happen in the United States of America if suddenly tomorrow morning, who knows how many people decided to cross the Rio Grande, go into Texas. Now, you 1,200 Israelis is equivalent in population of 300,000 most other places, right? Why? You have only, what, 9.2 million in the entire country. It's some ridiculously low number. Go in, kill 300,000 people, rape the women, cut off their breasts, violate them anally and vaginally, right? Take their children in front of them while they're doing that, while eight or 10 guys are raping them. Take their children while they're doing this and put them in ovens and make them watch them and then shoot them in the head. I'm trying to imagine if that happened in Texas tomorrow morning, what the Texans would do. That's essentially the situation. The fact is, you know, to me, I, you know, I'm a Jew and I grew up, my parents were, were on their way to fight in the, uh, in the War of Independence in 1948 when they met. So my perspective is a little bit different. If the Israelis, forgetting about Jews and Zionism and all the other nonsense, someone needs to wake people up because if the Israelis lose that war, and it's the war against Hezbollah, and it's a war against Hamas, and it's a war against the Houthis, if they lose that war, we're going to have war in this country. They will be here. Make no mistake. The only reason we've had Pax, Pax, Pax is the Pax Americana that was created in 1945 as a function of the Second World War. Okay? It's the only reason why we've enjoyed the peace to this day. And smaller wars are broken out, and that's kind of the way to maintain the world system by having that, those pressure cookers. You're taking the steam out of the system. This is different. Iran is very clear about what it wants to do. Stupid American children in the streets trying to think it's somewhat different. They're going to be eating grass. If the Jews lose this war and the attacks on Jews nationally, you know, people should wake up. The, the, uh, fir- the, first, the first of the Crusades began in the 11th century. Europe did not have peace if they started killing Jews from the 11th century until 1945. And that's only because the United States forced a peace. It was war in some portion of Europe from that point until the end of the Second World War. Now, we, you know, go ahead. I'm this, sorry, this, go this, ahead. These are facts. These are factual acts. These are factual historical facts. These are historical facts. I didn't make them up. It doesn't work. We are chatting with political consultant Hank Sheinkoff, and let me switch gears. The migrant crisis. Why are Democratic mayors handling this so badly? For example, in New York City, why didn't Mayor Eric Adams simply turn those buses around? I know he says he doesn't have the legal authority and then defend the move in federal court. Um, he's concerned, I think. I, I, I'm not reading his mind, but I think he's very concerned about criticism. Uh, the question is, what's the criticism? He doesn't want to take on the president any more than he already has. And there are some who believe that his present legal problems um, and his and the and the uh, the involvement of federal authorities looking at him and those around him 
is a function of his, uh, is it his yelling or, or attacking or criticizing the president. Whether that's true or not is not the question. He was roundly condemned by other mayors around the country. who were large, Many of them were African-Americans because he did criticize the president and the vice president. Um, why is he taking more decisive action? He believes he is, but he's not. And New York Times had a piece so this past week, Dominic, before New Year's Day, um, on the 600, excuse me, 600 days of the uh, migrant crisis and did not take Mayor Adams off the hook. You can't make pronouncements and not enforce them. If you're going to stop buses from entering New York City, stop them. But he didn't. Pull them over, ticket them, send them away. But he's not doing that. And he will continue to pay the price for it. It seems to me to be real simple. I mean, except if you're worried about the left. And I mean, and instead of measuring the size of the uh, drapes in the Oval Office and placating to the left, why not? Why not play to the majority of the electorate? I I, just, I don't get it. I don't get Listen, it, Hank Shankoff. Because because the left, if he is playing to the left, he, the left will never be grateful. The left will never thank him. The no left will never respect him. Anyone who doubts that needs to look at the left's performance in cities around the country. When you elect Soros-style, Soros-funded, George Soros-funded prosecutors, you have Chicago, you have. Uh, you have at least Manhattan, you have uh, San Francisco, and, and you have Austin, Texas. That is the future, and that is the future Adams is fighting. The question is, will he be successful? And based upon what is happening in these cities around the country, it's not clear yet. You can't, you can't just say the left wins the argument. Um, San, San Francisco revolted against it, ultimately, even that liberal bastion. Los Angeles has a, has a, a DA's race coming up. Chicago is a DA's race coming up. Austin is a DA's race coming up. In 2025, Albert Bragg and, and the anti, anti-police prosecutor in New York County, um, in Manhattan, will be called to task, right? So, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it is, it is um, it's dependent upon the moment. Nothing is forever and nothing is constant. Question is, will Eric Adams be blamed? Um, yeah, he will, because the electorate will be unforgiving. So it, when you look at police that are handcuffed around the country uh, in terms of they're under attack, not able to do their jobs in New York City, uh, Mayor Adams told uh, NYPD recruits that the city council, city council members wants them to do paperwork instead of patrolling. As you know, very well know, Hank Sheinkoff, uh two recent bills and we could pick a city any city and and show similar bills. But in New York in particular, they want the city council uh, led by the public advocate, Jamani Williams, to fill out paperwork for every encounter, for the most part, with the public. That means you'll be doing the job forever, you know, paperwork forever. And also, as it relates to uh, jails, uh, cutting solitary confinement down from eight hours to a maximum of uh, four hours. When does all of this stop in terms of hating on the police? It's not going to stop because the politicians that we've elected have never had another job. This is their life. And then their life is then revolving around the next political office for which they can be elected using in many cases, especially in New York City and other locales, public financing dollars, um, protecting incumbencies, um, and then appearing to be progressive about it. Jamani Williams has never had a tough day, as I can see with the callus on his hand, said the blue collar guy who grew up, you know, with nothing. Um, 
I cannot. He, he's he's been absolutely uh, absolutely despicable toward the school safety agents in New York City, who are primarily black women, and has called them all kinds of names. Um, so attacking police officers is what he knows how to do. The city council in New York passed a statute which they had no authority to do, that made uh, called the Diaphragm Compression Act, which prohibits pressure during the course of a lawful arrest any place from the sternum down to the upper belly. Now. I defy anyone to try to arrest someone without putting pressure on that part of the body if they resist. And the, and the punishment for doing, for doing, for violating that regulation, which is not a statute because the city council doesn't have that authority is $25,000 fine to three months in jail. What kind of police officers do you think you're going to get? Hmm. What kind of police officers do you think you're going to get? If you look at New York city or Los Angeles for that matter, the number of contacts between non-police civilians and police officers on a regular basis and the number of confrontations that result in violence is the minimus. So this attempt to destroy the police and to destroy order um, is consistent with the chaos we see. You know, it is just part of this permanent revolution that the AO, that the phony, uh, the phony uh, socialist, the, this AOC person who talks about being a bartender, I think she did it for three months. I sat on my, I was a union guy and stood on my feet until they bled behind re- restaurant counters when we were unionized. So I list, I listen to this nonsense with, with great, his, you know, almost a laugh. And I know a good deal about policing. That being said, they have no idea. And what's going to happen is that blue collar people who work for a living are going to pay the price and they're going to start exiting our cities. Why? Because they don't want to deal with what we have here. What's going on with George Santos, the former congressman? It seems that he is going to prison this year. He referred to uh, Mayor Adams in a meltdown of a of a vid- of a video as a quote effing animal. Uh, Santos was upset that someone apparently broke into his car. The city's questioning whether or not this really happened and stole a box of a uh, Christmas candy that was given to him as a gift. What what's happening with Santos? Santos is the, the ultimate expression of the failure of our politics and that money and the moment can create any kind of political personality. if handled well by political consultants who do their craft. Well, um, he is now likely to be go to prison, but his capacity to draw news is so disturbing compared to the work of so many individuals who do care about government and do care about people and do care about working people in this country and who are elected offices that can't get to first base when it comes to coverage. It would be great if we could see a profile of some of them and less attention to a guy who's broken the law, had to resign from office and is now should be a non-person. But he's not. In the right. age of gossip and entertainment, which is what our politics have become, George Santos is a star. And sadly, you can't deny the star appeal right now for Santos. Thank you, political consultant Hank Scheinkoff, for joining us. And that is all the time we have for this episode. Thank you, folks, for joining us. You can catch me on 77 WABC, weeknights, midnight to 1 a.m. Go check out the Dominic Carter merchandise at the 77 WABC store from Dominic Carter T-shirts to hats and much more. Go to WABCRadioStore.com. 
Also, follow me on YouTube where you will see videos from me about this podcast and the radio show, youtube.com forward slash Dominic Carter. We will see you the next time. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Dominic Carter Socials on Twitter at Dominic TV and Facebook and Instagram. Dominic Carter TV. Email at Dominic.Carter at WABCRadio.com. Until the next episode, be well. And as Dominic always says, stay positive. The glass is always half full, never half empty. Dominic Carter City Hall.